0: back to Making It, my name is Mirabelle, I'm your host, and on today's episode we have Grammy-nominated singer-songwriter, producer, multi-instrumentalist, all-around cool person, pro-gamer, Kevin Garrett. He wrote a song for Beyonce, so, you know, there's there's that. In this episode, we talk about his lifelong dream, uh, which I won't spoil for you right now, so just be sure to listen for that. We talk about his new-ish EP, came out a couple months ago, and um, the process of writing and recording that, doing all of it over FaceTime throughout this COVID uh, pandemic, getting stuck on tour, driving across Canada, getting stuck where I am actually in my home province. We also discussed the trajectory of music, the music industry, and where that sort of headed, the direction that we're going into, especially with TikTok and, you know, going viral and kind of all that stuff, following trends and whatnot, and songwriting, pop music, writing for other artists like Beyonce, as I just mentioned, and how pop songwriting has kind of evolved over the years. So I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Um, As always, leave a review, rate the podcast, let me know what you think, and If you want to ask questions, if you want to know who is coming on to the podcast before we record the episodes, you can join the Patreon links in the description. And uh, yeah, enjoy this episode with Kevin Garrett. How's it going? (laughs) It's
1: going okay. One day at a time, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Happy to be here.
0: Thanks Thanks for being here. Thanks for doing this call.
1: Oh, my pleasure. I just meant in general, but yeah, thank you very much for having me.
0: <laughs> Always good to be here in general too though. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> how is how is the rest of um your hot wings challenge thing last night actually?
1: Uh yeah, it was um it honestly wasn't as bad as I was expecting it to be. Really? Yeah. Just looking at the ingredients on the on the um back of the box of the hot sauce challenge, I was <laughs> I was ready for. Now, I mean, I should say all of that with the understanding that it still was really spicy. But
0: it's, it sounded kind of like death to me uh, when you were. Yeah,
1: there there have been things that I've eaten that would have had like spicy sauce or like dust or whatever on them that have that have stuck on my tongue or like in the back of my throat for like the whole day. This Whoa. went away in like five minutes.
0: Okay, good. Good. (laughs)
1: So it was a a little underwhelming on the pain threshold, but that was kind of uh, a blessing.
0: Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Sounds fun. Sounds. We got through it though. Yeah. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Well, cool. Um, we can we can start with um keep sleeping. You just released an EP. (laughs) Yeah. Very exciting. Um. Thanks. By the time this comes out, though, it's probably gonna be. It won't be as new because it's probably gonna be a couple months still um but yeah yeah so you you wrote it and it was produced by xander Mm -hmm. and it is a bop (laughs) Um, (laughs) thank you and so so this was written was this written all in the last year like this pandemic year or two
1: uh yeah i think uh, almost all of it was done before the end of 2020 with the exception of like um maybe like a verse in a song here there and kind of some finishing touches over the first uh handful of months of 2021 but xander and i met um on facetime uh and then proceeded to make a bunch of records not just the ep but we're still making stuff um just over facetime and it's uh been kind of a nice partnership because he's just super gifted at at, um at uh you know his style of production and and also like he's it's very versatile so Mm -hmm. um You want to make pop stuff. You make pop stuff. You want to make. I mean, he's he's dabbling in all kinds of things, and he comes from more of a beat making kind of hip hop background with his brother. So Mm -hmm. it was a it was a fun experiment and a bit of a departure for me.
0: Yeah. Um. Did you guys ever meet in person at all during this whole process?
1: Yeah, we met once. Um, I I drove up to uh where he lives uh, in Massachusetts and um, spent a day which was supposed to be um more or less like editing the EP mm. um but instead we ended up trying some stuff for another artist he was working with Ooh. um and uh doing some like vocal chops and some other things to see if we could replace certain things um and so it was uh it was kind of just a a fun weekend in Massachusetts <laughs> but I've met him once yeah
0: that's it <laughs>
1: mm-hmm, that's it <laughs>
0: um yeah i really like i think why don't you is probably my favorite uh track off of that for the production side of it um yeah he's
1: he's he's a beast
0: yeah it's really cool and of course dancing on the internet um the lyrics (laughs) in that (laughs) um you said that the whole ep is like riddled in with irony um Mm -hmm. you want to talk a little bit more about that
1: well i think um Oh wow! I'm, I'm I gotta give myself a hard time right now because, uh, any, so many artists will do, in like interviews or conversations, and if they get asked questions about their music, everybody always starts with "I think." I hate when that happens. So <laughs> forgive me for doing that. Um, no worries. The the concept behind the EP and the irony behind it and everything um is kind of multi layered, um. Pop music. Is something that I've always tried to challenge or run adjacent to and be influenced by, um, but this was the most down the middle kind of uh, attempt at something that that uh, that that's that's kind of pop centric that I think I've ever released, mm-hmm. um, and it's partially a product of the creative process and like the way that the songs were made, um, but the irony of it all is. Um, you know, the songs are about nobody, but they're also about everyone at the same time, um dancing on the internet, especially um and I'm a product of that too. I mean it's it's the internet has become my job, mm-hmm. even though making music is my job because of the way we listen to music um and and consume like my work uh, and and my colleagues' work. Uh, you have to really engage in social media and, and so forth. So it was the whole, the whole record was kind of, you know, a tongue in cheek observation on sort of, um, the status of, um, a lot of things that are very specific and relatable to, I I hope the audience, but also creators and, and, um, and musicians alike. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, Deeper than that, there are some like personal uh, meanings behind like "Keep Sleeping" the EP and and what stuff in "Dancing on the Internet" um, or "Why Don't You" or "Or Lonely Like Me" or or some like what any of those songs kind of mean to me, as always. Uh, but the the general sort of uh, motive behind releasing this was to kind of see who else was like in on it. Um and and if you're, if if we're all on the same page,
0: mm, yeah, I feel like everybody now who makes music just has to like be on TikTok and stuff, mm-hmm. and I, I mean I haven't I don't understand TikTok and <laughs> I can't, I don't know, um, but like you're lo- you made all these reels TikToks of for the lonely like me, um, song when that yeah. came out, which is actually really funny by the way, <laughs> um, thank you. Are you are you gonna do more of those, or was that kind of it it for that run?
1: Uh, at the moment, that's kind of it for that run. But I definitely want to, I want to try and bring it back. Um, whether it's more lonely like me stuff or, um, just I, I don't know. TikTok is is something. I think we share kind of a similar opinion based on the way you just described it. Mm. Um, it's kind of a necessary evil. Um and you know, there's some days where I'll be very long winded about all the things that are wrong with social media, namely TikTok. Um, but then there are other days where six hours later I've been scrolling through TikTok <laughs> and watching uh, you know, whoever like make the perfect burger or mm-hmm. scrape paint out of a of a of a bucket or or all these random things. Yeah. And so um I definitely want to I think I've been treating TikTok as kind of this, like, um, extension of kind of that meaning I was describing with the EP. It's just kind of like, I'm in on the joke. Uh, this is, this is what TikTok is for me. It's either kind of curmudgeonly takes on uh, what people are doing on the platform or I'm just duetting my friends. Oh, yeah. And, and that's, uh, that's really the only use I have for TikTok as a, as a platform, uh, as it stands you know there is an undeniable amount of just overnight value um if you happen to um catch lightning in a bottle
0: yeah the amount of people who have gone viral um it's kind of insane
1: <laughs> yeah i i feel like um the the things that some people are going viral for um are increasingly infuriating <laughs> Um, for different reasons. I think, namely, for the, the primary reason being, a lot of people are going viral off of, sounds that they had nothing to do with, or, or things like that, and, and typically it kind of like, tangentially helps, the artist, um, that's making the, the sound or whatever, but, Mm -hmm. um, it, uh, it, 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 For 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 my money kind of um redirects from the content that is actually like causing the stir versus um versus what you're actually watching uh so i don't know i'm just gonna keep my eye on everything and if i see something or come up with something that's like funny um i'll i'll consider like contributing more but um it's it's just such a weird foreign (laughs) space to me still
0: yeah I just kind of wonder, like, where you are at with your your following. I guess if you felt like you needed to hop on trends, to to like stay relevant. I guess I that's don't want to.
1: to yeah, I I don't I don't want to rely on trending um, or or be or contributing to something that's trending to be a marker for the quality of my work. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that this. I think the songs will forever speak for themselves if they're good enough, um, in whatever capacity and to whatever audience. But again, like you know, if 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 something develops, um, and and if something kind of uh, you know pops off of a TikTok video or or something else, like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna shut the door on it. I'm I'm going to I'm probably gonna. Do some digging and figure out where did this come from? Mm-hmm. Uh, because I'm curious. But, you know, all of that stuff, uh until it happens to you feels fairly out of reach. And then when it happens to you, it's just kind of confusing. So, um it's not my goal with music. Um, even even with dancing on the internet, as kind of ripe for TikTok as that song is, mm-hmm. um, like it's it's prime. TikTok material, if if people really want to lean in into it, but um, that was more of uh, something that I just wanted to provide commentary on a subject that I don't usually sing about, don't usually write about, and um, it ended up being this fun song that was part of an even more fun EP. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: Cool. In the creation of this EP, um, did like the production come first? Did you write these songs first on guitar or whatever? Or how did, what is this culmination of?
1: The, uh, the production came first. So Xander has tracks upon tracks upon tracks upon tracks. And uh, he would just send me a couple here and there. And every once in a while, there would be one that would jump out and be like, this, I, I like this a lot. And then we would do some other songs that would be, you know, melodies and, and so forth. Not necessarily like my vibe, or, or maybe he wanted me to sing a hook on something to try something, and um there were occasionally like you know six or seven songs where it was like I want to sing on this, and then um we got to five, and that was the EP, mm-hmm. and um a, a lot of my contribution was some arrangement ideas, kind of structuring the track to um make it more. Of a song versus a beat and uh then melody and lyrics for the most part.
0: Oh cool. Is this how like you typically write or is this no. like yeah.
1: Complete <laughs> opposite. I'm usually uh it's it's the least involved in the production I've ever been on a release. Mm. Um, which is definitely weird for me. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, I, I again I think the songs were good enough. Uh, and they translated kind of um, pretty seamlessly on acoustic guitar or on a keyboard um, because Xander has, uh, you know, a, a pretty tight-knit group of uh, players around him that that, um, that will kind of layer in things for him as he's producing. So there's a really talented piano player who kind of does a lot of the keyboard structure and um, plays in a kind of, I mean, he's much better than me, uh, but he plays in a kind of similar style as I do. And uh, and so I think that's another reason why the tracks that ended up making the EP were more relatable because of kind of the um, arrangement and sort of interval um, uh, sort of bass that was going on in the um, chord progressions.
0: Mm. That's cool. It sounds like really fun to just have a whole like library of tracks to choose from and just play around with?
1: I mean, I wouldn't totally know because Xander's the one with all the tracks, but um, <laughs> it, you're right. It does sound really cool. Um, I I ask him every time he sends me like a clip or a video of, of something else he's working on, I, I always freak out. I'm like, send this to me. <laughs> um, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's on me too, because there, there is kind of a backlog of, I think, another handful of uh, of songs that we're still writing and we're still kind of finishing. And then, you know, beyond me and Xander, like there are another few producers who I um, am obsessed with and I work really well with um, that uh, I'm also like several songs and projects deep into. Oh, nice. uh, so, you know, it, it's, I, I it, that, that's just kind of the other facet of the job um, is just allocating time in the right way. So you're, kind of um being creative with the people you're creative with um equally
0: Hmm. that's cool um do you think that well were there any challenges of like making this ep no like online and stuff
1: i cre i think creatively like there there were no challenges at all um i don't think that the the way i typically make music that i could have i could have made something in that way um the same way that sandra and i made this record um Mm -hmm. just because i need to be in the room with with an engineer with whoever i'm playing music with um you know i I did plenty of writing on my own and I, i i have a studio and i i can you know get things to a certain level and you know we did that with pure imagination and the christmas song and and some other stuff but in terms of a fully fledged project um there's like uh, a whole list of steps that require that sort of in-person experience mm-hmm. that um are missing when you're working remotely so yeah. this experience was kind of an exception to the rule because of the circumstances um and also just because of it's a it's another again a commentary on how good Xander is but um you know typically uh, I'm not doing something like that
0: how did you two meet?
1: Um a mutual friend connected us because uh he thought that um we would be good together and he was definitely right. <laughs> nice. Um Xander's a really young guy. Xander is um and and he's pretty deep in some hip hop projects um and he works pretty closely with his brother on things and uh the his ability to um kind of create his sort of signature on and put his signature on on all the stuff that he works on is really unique for somebody his age. Mm-hmm. And um I've done a lot of Zoom sessions over the past two years and a lot of FaceTime meetups with, with producers and, and other people and it's it's pretty it's a pretty infrequent uh scenario where um, you connect with somebody like that over FaceTime um, and it it all boils down to the quality of the music. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was, um, that was a pretty anomalous, um, experience, but yeah, we, we met digitally because of a mutual friend.
0: Cool. That would be, it would be kind of awkward if, um, if you guys didn't hit it off, I guess.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's, there's been plenty of sessions where, you know, the vibe isn't there and, and you're both. Or wh- whoever all is involved in the Zoom call or the or the uh, the FaceTime call, they want to get a song done. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, and this happens in person too with new sessions, like you know, it's very selective when you're working with people and you actually connect with them. And that's why I have such a short list of people that I like collaborating with, like repeatedly, um, especially for stuff that I want to put my name on. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to working with other artists and um, kind of expanding that sort of profile um I'm open to everything and I, and you can you can ask anybody um, on like my team like i I give everything a chance and it's it's unless there's a scheduling issue or unless it's something that just doesn't line up uh, with me creatively like i'm I'm gonna try and say yes to, to everything because you never know like who who you can collaborate with and connect with. In that sense, but it's still a very, um, you know, it's a very like picky process that you don't really have control over. Like yeah. somebody can be an amazing songwriter, an amazing producer, and um, you can also like, you know, I'm, I, I know I'm not terrible, but like I, I'm I'm pretty good at my job too. And we can get in the room, and uh, I've done X Y Z, they've done A B C, and then we get together and just doesn't work, and mm. that's totally normal.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: so taking the in-person thing out of it and like being able to joke like that and only having like a screen to talk to each other on <laughs> if it doesn't work out and that's like that's kind of the vibe it does get kind of strange but um it's nothing that we're not used to
0: yeah for these collabs and like um do you find it do you i guess you collab a lot um would you say that is something that you have to get used to or was it pretty simple to kind of get into because I was talking to um I was talking to Marie um a couple weeks ago and we talked about collabs a little bit and I was mentioning how I like started doing a couple songwriting collabs um on stream actually and but I was realizing that like as an introvert I don't actually like writing co-writing um because I feel like I just I have to have my ideas all like wrapped up presented nicely and then like let the other person know um yeah whereas like the person i was working with they're very extroverted and so they just shot out all of their ideas and like just wanted to bounce ideas off of me but like i was mm-hmm. very opposite in that and i realized i like doing it like by myself a lot yeah. more
1: you're absolutely right i mean personalities in any situation if if they're kind of um, not aligned or, or not like tolerant of one another then it in whatever collaboration it is, whether it's creative or otherwise isn't really going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of singularly involved in my writing process too, but I, I guess over, over time, because I also have been um, known to write for other people as well. The openness to, um, ideas when you know that it's not going to be for you at the end of the day um, is a bit easier to um, bring yourself to, um, at least in my experience, because um, at first when I would go into like camps or sessions or, or things like that, I, I would be kind of curious why I was there. You don't give yourself enough credit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you remind yourself that you're there for the same reason everyone else is, then I kind of flip your perspective on that and remember that we're all just trying to make a song. Um, And so very rarely if I'm doing pitch writing or pitch sessions um, is my energy going into, well, I'm going to walk out of this with something that I want to release. It's, it's more frequently like we're going for this person or like I'm, I kind of, take more of a backseat approach on those sessions and and kind of chime in when it's necessary. Um, And that's, and you just kind of
2: find the way that you are most like um, effective in those rooms. Um, And then
1: that kind of, for me at least takes a little bit of the pressure off of one delivering and two um, being concerned that what you're, contributing or what you're giving away either isn't enough or is too much of you because mm-hmm. one thing that you got to be concerned with if you're an artist in your own right and you're writing for other people is uh giving up your stuff um to the point of like almost just handing over your sort of identity your signature your anything um mm-hmm. and it's a it's kind of a weird line to toe
0: when you're writing for others would you say that like you you say like giving up your own identity, but then would you say that you have to kind of absorb their identity a little bit or put yourself in their shoes or.
1: Yeah. I mean the, the channeling, whatever, whether it's in a brief form or, or if they're actually in the room, um, that's like the main goal. And then you can kind of fill in the blanks around their thought process and, and get a sense of, um, what they want to say. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, the artist isn't even there, so um, you're aiming, and that's mistake number one. If you're in a session and the goal is to write for pitch, um, and you go into it saying, "Okay, we're gonna write a song for whoever," you're not gonna get a song done. And if you do get a song done, it's gonna be a song that that person's never gonna hear because uh, it's just not. It's not gonna. It's it's not gonna be the same. Um caliber of writing that you're all capable of doing if you're just in there together, like focusing on the music rather than focusing on where the music belongs mm-hmm. um and uh while, it's so nice to have the artist in the room. that's just so increasingly uncommon um because a lot of artists aren't writing, so um you you rely on on you know, what the A&R is telling you or or so forth um, in camps and sessions and stuff. And it it gets, it it can become kind of soul-sucking sometimes. But, you know, occasionally you, occasionally you're, you, you, again, that's why it's so important to make sure you stay in touch and, and stay connected with the people that you vibe with the best creatively because those groups of people, you can make anything for anybody. Mm-hmm. and if you're put in a room with strangers that you've never written with before or worked with before and and you already know that you're kind of introverted and kind of stuck in your ways, like, and on top of that, everybody's like, okay, let's make a song for this artist. There's You're distracted. There's, mm-hmm. no, there's no focus on anything. It's like, okay, who are these people that are in this room with me? What am I writing? Oh my God, does this sound good for this person? Yeah. Like, this can't be right. And then you leave. Kind of just confused with like a half finished idea, and you never talk to those people again. Mm. So, (laughs) I would rather like if I can't get a song done in a session, text that text my friend afterwards who I was just writing with, and just be like, "Hey, uh, I'll see you like in a couple days. Let's try again." Mm -hmm. Versus, um, nice meeting you, and then that that idea it could be great sits in an inbox for Mm -hmm. eight months to eight months or more, and, and you just forget about it.
0: Yeah, that's kind of unfortunate. I feel like if that happens. I'm very long-winded
1: about the pitch writing process. Um <laughs> because I'm very long-winded in general, but about the pitch writing process because of kind of the this the state of the union that is um the re- the recording industry. But um you know, there's there's a lot of writers that that are very successful and very good at what they do. It's really hard to write a pop song. It's really hard to write you know, three hooks on top of one another because that's all pop songs are nowadays. Mm-hmm. There isn't really, there isn't really the type of in, the structure that that uh, used to exist in in popular music, um, where you have like um, a verse and then a, a B verse and a pre-chorus and a chorus and a bridge and all all that stuff. We all like to still call those sections those things, but most of the time. You're writing over the same chord sequence. You're writing over the same beat. The only thing that's changing is like a couple sounds here and there. Mm -hmm. And so it becomes this weird math problem of, okay, you come up with the best melody in the whole day, and you put that in the front, and then you come up, and you you have to beat that, and that's the next section, and then you have to beat that again, (laughs) and that's your chorus. I don't like that. Oh,
0: yeah. That's complicated a little bit. Yeah. I mean, but some people seems, are really good at
1: it. It's really hard to do.
0: I mean, listening to pop music nowadays, I feel like it doesn't seem that complicated or like it just it feels easy. It feels cause it's repetitive. Yeah. Um, but I guess I guess there's more but to it. But that's what it is.
1: <laughs> you know? I think if if I mean if 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 it sounds if it sounds easy, then all the power to you. But I mean, one, the subject matter is um not in my vernacular most of the time. Uh, and on top of that, like, a lot of pop music is just a bunch of jingles now because of TikTok and stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many times I've heard a song on TikTok (laughs) or on Instagram or, or any form of social media, and I've heard, like, 30 seconds of it. And then you hear it on the radio, and I didn't even know what the rest of the song sounds like. Yeah. You know what I mean?
0: You kind of forget. It's almost
1: to the point of, like, you would hear a song on the radio and, and you're kind of in disbelief that the rest of the song even exists.
0: Yeah. You forget that it's actually, there's more to it than 30 seconds.
1: <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> you wrote a song for, um, it's a pretty small artist, you know? I don't think many people know this this Beyonce person. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Was, but that. was that, if I remember correctly, like like you had already written Pray You Catch Me and then they approached you about wanting to use that or mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Yeah, I I wrote the song and I mean I was right place, right time. And yeah. uh, you know, not too much was uh was changed beyond that. Um and it was an amazing experience, um, and obviously an incredible album to be a part of and uh she did a great job with it um and uh yeah it was it was this it was a song that was very near and dear to me um and that's kind of um it it obviously opened a lot of doors, especially in the songwriting world um uh for you know more of a pursuit down those lanes um but it you know it was a it was a really tremendous honor to be a part of that and you know got me to the grammys and and i you know I, I was very lucky to um to to meet her and uh and um sort of to be able to speak creatively like that um with with her was was uh really cool to see somebody that far up that uh is still kind of as involved mm-hmm. um but yeah it was um yeah i remember remember that whole experience <laughs>
0: that was awesome yeah. did you like get to talk to her throughout the process of of uh well i mean i guess the song was already written um but did you get to talk to her throughout the process of making that song or like of giving it to her or like was it was this sort of an after sort of meeting
1: uh it was it was mostly after uh, there, was, there was some discussion over the, over the course of the process, but, but really it all kind of revolved around the notion that um, that song belonged on the record um, in whatever capacity. And so um, I kind of was just, most of the time, it was, it was about from the point of handing the song off to the song coming out uh, almost, I want to say, uh, like two years. Oh, really, um, yeah, and um, kind of just waiting and wondering and getting an update and and then talking about it and then hearing something and and you know it would all very um there's a massive truck driving by me right now, oh sometimes on my street, it's like the hell's angels it'll just be like. A bunch of motorcycles today anyway that must um, be
0: great for recording
1: (laughs) it's super awesome for recording Mm -hmm. Uh, you got to pick your right hours yeah but um (laughs) anyway yeah the the lemonade the lemonade process was really cool and um i uh i i would be only only thrilled and honored to to get involved in whatever she's up to next
0: yeah that would be amazing so you're an independent artist correct Mm -hmm. (laughs) um yeah I guess this comes from myself and also uh DJ. Um, he says, what are some opinions on uh, benefits or downfalls, possibilities or limitations of working with labels versus being independent?
1: Um, so I would say that the first limitation of being independent um, would be resources mm. um, versus working with a label. Um, but the the limitation at being at a label is uh, the lack of prioritization, especially if you aren't making exactly what the label wants you to make in that instance. Um, because a label at the end of the day is a business, and if they don't see numbers, um, they're not going to put energy into the things that aren't giving them numbers. And as an independent artist, there there are no restrictions on Creativity, there there is no sort of um lens uh placed on your music that deems it correct or incorrect. In in, in that same argument, uh you also are kind of bereft of um the pathways that, that get more eyeballs and more ears on you and your songs. Mm-hmm. Um and so that's what kind of makes stuff like um TikTok a bit more interesting because of the seemingly more accessible sort of landscape for music to be discovered. Mm -hmm. It's just so few and far between when it comes to what goes viral that um, being independent um, is so much work. It's um, it's heavily heavily dependent on uh, touring. It's um it's it's heavily dependent on Finding creative ways to 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 jump through the loopholes of marketing and branding um on a shoestring um and then until you build that network and um and that sort of inherent um, capital and value that that you can put back into your company, it can be miserable um but I also know that if you get shelved at a label and your music never comes out that that's even worse yeah. So, um, you know, I've never been like staunchly anti-label. Mm-hmm. Um, I, was, I, I was pretty close to signing and I wouldn't be against it now either if the people are right. And um, cause I, I think a lot of times you'll get stuck in a contract because of the name on the door and the, and the shiny lights at the main entrance and who else is involved. Mm-hmm. And more often than not, like the bigger the name that's in the same place as you are, the less attention you're going to get. So, as exciting as it is to see, you know, whomever on the same roster as you, um, that means that a lot of the resources and a lot of the attention are going into those bigger names because Mm -hmm. they're going to make the bigger bucks. And so, you have to constantly either um, outkick your coverage and kind of think so far outside of the box that you almost lose. Yourself creatively, um, and or um, again, you're just so good, you're so <laughs> talented that um, the that the music speaks for itself. The problem is a lot of labels aren't really signing good music; mm. um, they're signing big platforms. So, mm. um, if you want to be, I guess, a popular musician these days, have a whole a lot of followers and and then um, have some writers make a song for you
0: yeah yeah aren't there like a lot of tiktokers being signed nowadays
1: yeah and i'm not sure if it's too i mean I'm, i know a few of them are on major labels and it's it's a it's a pretty easy publicity kind of money grab if, if the song's good mm-hmm. um i'm curious to see how many of them like really pursue the music career because a lot of people, it seems like a lot of people are treating it like a hobby.
0: Mm. It might be like a, and, like 15 minutes of fame sort of thing.
1: Well, just 15 more minutes of fame because they're already famous, you know. And I think that when streaming really started kicking off and, and when people completely stopped buying music and, and thought that it's something that just belongs to them, uh, that was a complete, I don't think this is a word, but the complete devaluation of or devaluation of um, the art products that is music. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, I, I don't think anything exists without music. Um, no, you know, there, there really isn't um, anybody interested in silent films anymore. Um, the television industry and commercial industry isn't going to just uh, put up commercials and, and programs without music in it. Yeah. Um, your morning jog isn't going to uh, be as smooth and as helpful without like your playlist. Mm-hmm. Um, and whenever, you know, streaming companies and, and uh, the consumer themselves decided, well, this is mine now and this is free and, and this is, this is it. Um, that kind of just like sort of changed the perspective on like where music sits in terms of the discussion of what art is. Um mm-hmm. And that's a totally different conversation about like, well, you can get into like cryptocurrencies and all and NFTs and stuff. But you know, I, I think long story short, I I just want to continue to make stuff that I'm proud of and release it, and um, not be so down on myself when it's not um, you know, hundreds of millions of views or streams because. You know, if if all I have to do is like look at what's being signed and and realize that they have been picked up an instrument in their life, so um, you just got to remember that the music industry is a business that that cares much more about the business than the music.
0: Yeah, I guess that it, like it's difficult. Uh, there's like a fine line between just making music for yourself and like you can't have one without the other. I guess yeah. if you want to use make your passion your living i guess Mm -hmm. Um, totally right yeah i was wondering like you're doing music full-time are you doing music full-time is this Mm -hmm. your full-time job have you ever had like a any at any point did you ever have to like get a different job or something
1: um when i was in college um before i started putting stuff out like i i was doing a few jobs at once a couple like work from home gigs, some studio maintenance stuff. And then uh, also, um, you know, several attempts at trying to become a bartender. Cause oh, that's yeah. something that I've always wanted to do. Um, but I, I had my, I was just talking to my friend about it the other day. Who's, who's in the restaurant business. And he was like, you just need to lie next time. Um, he's like, how many times do you go to a bar back interview or a bartender interview? And, and you realize that all you had to do was just, the reason that I wouldn't get hired was because um my experience was not I, I hadn't I hadn't used like a point of sale system, like a cash register basically. Mm-hmm. Which is an iPad. And I use that every time I go on tour to sell t shirts. So like um it it was and you know, it is what it is. But prior to getting lucky with Spotify and going on tour and everything, um, I had, you know, two or three jobs at once. I was living in New York and then um when I Signed a publishing deal, and found out that uh, Beyonce was writing one of my songs. I quit everything on the same day, <laughs> oh, and um, just kind of went for it. Um, and we're still just kind of going for it. Uh, it's it's been a long journey and uh, a learning experience, nonetheless. I think I I work better, um, knowing that um, I don't have something to fall back on, um, because then i get lazy and i found i found myself in that position um occasionally especially over the past 2 years without having things to do without having a schedule and without having um you know cuz I, I don't get paid to like go into sessions and 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 so forth like but that's work for me that's that's me clocking in mm. um but without those things on my calendar and without um objectives to meet um whether it's uh X amount of sessions in a week when I'm away or getting this song written or just putting a song out at all, um, then I kind of just uh spend too much time just just thinking about it all and not getting anything done. Mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure that if you know and and this is all to say also that you know I'm in a position where I'm very lucky to not have to uh have a, have a secondary source of income. Uh, because music has been so good to me thus far, um uh, but it definitely affects my sort of work ethic if I know that if creatively it 's not working out um then I can just kind of put it off to the side and focus on my other job mm-hmm. um, so i've I try very hard to kind of minimize the sort of i don 't call them distractions but like things that can take up more of your time that you can put into um, the thing that you really want to go after, whether it is what you're passionate about or something that you just want to, you know, succeed in.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, can we go back to the bartending? Would you ever, <laughs> would you ever like do it again? If you, like, yeah, if you had the chance? I'm
1: super passionate about that. Not to, not to kind of mince words here, but like, I, I love, first of all, I think my dream is to open a, a concert venue. My dream is to open a, a space that obviously would also have a bar. <laughs> um, but there's something really cool about the idea of of owning uh, a, a bar, especially in like your hometown or like whatever town you live in mm-hmm. and like your friends visit or like in music at least. I got people that, that, I, that I see on tour all the time uh, when the world works and um, we're in whatever city. If they're in my city, and I'm like, let's just go to this place. Let's just go to my place or whatever. And mm-hmm. it's like, I don't know, that sort of display of like hospitality and stuff is, is really appealing to me. And I, I, I'd want that kind of, um that that's that's one thing that I, I want to be able to flex on my friends one day. Um, Show off. <laughs> but yeah, the concert venue itself is is uh, is the one thing that is a dream of mine. But mm-hmm. in terms of bartending, I'd love to, I mean, I, 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 I practice just, on myself just like making cocktails and stuff and and seeing what works and I love the science behind it. I'd love to take classes and just just to be good at it. Um yeah. but you know if if an opportunity presented itself, I I would definitely um try try it out and want to go for it.
0: I feel like parties would be very fun at your place.
1: <laughs> I love um I, yeah, it doesn't happen as much anymore because of everything, but um mm-hmm. I, I I love having people over and um Two things that i'm really excited about offering people are a really good charcuterie board mm-hmm. um, and uh, and a, a cocktail if if they are um, the drinking type. I remember <laughs> I had a holiday party and I made a batch cocktail it was in like a a pitcher with a valve, and then I was also like making other cocktails on the side. <laughs> I was as close to being a bartender as I could have gotten and I think for Amazing. the time for the time being that's kind of my limit but
0: that's awesome. <laughs>
1: I don't like big parties though, you know what I mean? Yeah. I like uh I like intimate gatherings. Yeah. And I like being in control. Um, <laughs> so I definitely like hosting. Um mm. but it's uh it, there, there's definitely a, a fine line that gets crossed if like the party gets too big or I'm in a space that I'm not comfortable in. Yeah. And I also can't just kick everybody out.
0: <laughs> that that birthday party that you had to go to after your stream.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. How's that? That was, um, (laughs) yeah, I was in and out. That was, that was, that was a whole thing.
0: Yeah. I, yeah, I feel similar, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Or sometimes just like don't even go to parties if I know that they're going to be very big and loud and just like full of strangers. Um, Right. Yeah.
1: There's, I mean, I, that's why I don't like going outside in the first place because there's people out there, you know? So, (laughs)
0: so covid's done you pretty well
1: I uh, this was pre-covid this was <laughs> this is this was my mo before covid yeah but uh yes i guess, I guess so. in in the sense of i i've been forced to kind of not have to go outside yeah it's been delightful
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so that concert venue that you w- would want to open would you open that in uh pittsburgh or like your hometown or uh, is that
1: yeah i i would love to open in pittsburgh i think to be honest, it's kind of I, I have a feeling just based on a friend of mine that's doing a lot of stuff that uh, if I get one open, I'll get bit by the bug and I'll probably want to ex- like explore other places, like other uh-huh. cities I love and stuff, and and try stuff like that. But you know, the 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 dream goal is represent for your hometown and and Pittsburgh's always been kind of a weird music city <laughs> where there are cool venues and and definitely artists like roll through on tours and stuff, but. In my experience, like my agents don't put Pittsburgh on the tour list. They don't run me through my own city. I have to like put those oh. those shows up myself.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's kind of a hard market, and so I would like to make it more accessible, especially for smaller artists um, and also the local community, which I know exists. It's just hard to access sometimes because one, uh, it's kind of closed circles and two again, there's just not as much opportunity as there should be in a town like Pittsburgh.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think that's the same as um, where I am. I'm in Calgary right now. And I realized oh, yeah. um, I realized that when I asked you about this time, I said Pacific time. Um, but neither of us are even in Pacific time. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: it worked out great. I, yeah. I kind of work on Pacific time.
0: Yeah, nobody knows. I'm in mountain time, but like nobody knows mm-hmm. what the heck that is. So
1: Yeah, so yeah. you're two hours behind me
0: yeah okay you know and, what mountain calgary time yeah
1: oh i was just in denver so okay. that's mountain time <laughs> but here's here's my uh my thing about calgary i've played i've played there once the 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 midwestern and western half of canada is like my favorite place to tour Aww. um and, and i played in was it called saint knox uh church was mm. it does is that, is that, that sound that's familiar yep i think yeah. so <laughs> We played there, and then we went to Edmonton and played some place called the Winspear Center. Oh yeah. Um, and then went off to uh drove I I was oh it was a crazy trip I was driving myself on this tour just oh. me in my car in the middle of February oh, through no. the Canadian Rockies
0: like winter and, dead of winter
1: oh my gosh it was insane and and we started in Winnipeg and it was minus forty It yeah. doesn't matter if that's Celsius or Fahrenheit you know. <laughs> And I think there was a crazy storm in Calgary that February or in the area too. And so they were really worried about me making this drive because I was going through like Banff and then through the the mountains. I I drove through like, uh, where all, all these, there's some crazy town names in Canada, like, (laughs) like medicine hat Oh yeah, and yeah. And it's cool. I ate at a Boston's there. That was really nice. Um, a, a pizza place. But, uh, Anyway, it's like a, I did a 16 or 18 hour drive from, um, Edmonton. Yeah. From, I think I went from Edmonton back through Calgary all the way to Vancouver
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and I stopped at Lake Louise. Mm -hmm. That was a big mistake. Um, (laughs) because there's like no service when you're driving through those mountains. There's really nothing going on if you're not by any town. I was out of gas. Oh no. Um, and my lights were all covered up in like dirt and snow and stuff. And earlier in the day they were like, yeah, just be careful. You don't get stuck in the mountains because no one's there to help you. <laughs> and also like they might shut the whole highway down if they have to like how it sort the, of the snow off the, yeah. off the mountain. And so I was starting to talk to myself. The only the only positive in all of it is it was starting to get warmer mm-hmm. because once you get out to Vancouver, it, it warms up a little bit. Right. Mm-hmm. But. Anyway, I oh really like goodness. Calgary. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Come on back, we welcome you. Um,
1: I might be back. I might be back next year. I think there's yeah. some stuff um, in in discussion for for finally getting back to those cities. I haven't been back since.
0: Nice. How long ago was that?
1: That was a tour with James Vincent McMorrow in February of 2015.
0: Oh wow, that's been. And a I long. know like
1: Calgary and Edmonton. I think they both have folk festivals. Yeah. Um, and uh I was talking to the promoters on and off over the next couple of years and like when are you coming back? And <laughs> it just hasn't happened. Oh, and man. and I, I wish I wish I I wish I could have made it uh sooner than whenever it does happen again. But I, I will be back.
0: Yeah. yeah. Good, good, good. <laughs> um, if you need an opener, you know, just saying <laughs> Oh hell yeah. <laughs>
1: we got it sorted. Awesome. <laughs> Dermot Kennedy actually, I don't know if you heard of if you know that name, but he he was going on tour earlier this year and he had, um, he, he did something really cool. I think he had like a opener for the whole tour, but because it was like a tour after the pandemic and everything, he, um, had somebody local in every city, oh. excuse me, somebody local in every city opened the show all together, And mm-hmm. it was really special. It's really, really kind of a fun thing to do. But, yeah. uh. Yeah, as soon as soon as I get dates back up, then then everything starts moving in my head again, and I got ideas and everything. So that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Do you think that? Because um, I know for hoax you did, like tour vlogs. Are you? Mm-hmm. Is that something that you're gonna keep keep up?
1: Yeah. I I need to get better at at doing them myself, because <laughs> uh, obviously they translate better if if I have somebody with a camera following me around. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh. If I can get if I can get one of my friends uh, that were a part of those to uh, jump on, they. I mean, since since we did those, um, the two guys that I was working with have, have both gotten some like really serious looks. Like uh-huh. now, the one guy is working with um, a bunch of a bunch of other really big artists Sweet. and really talented photographers, and the other guy is uh, is doing really amazing commercial work and and stuff. So awesome. I might need to find another. I need to find another like college student uh, who wants to go on tour for a few weeks um, and and makes make something make something new. Um, um,
0: I will also put out there that I do videography and photography. Just this is incredible. <laughs>
1: this is just an incredible uh, conversation.
0: Actually, when you are stuck in Lake Louise, like at least you had the views, right? Did you actually was... go check out yeah. Lake Louise?
1: <laughs> yeah, I walked on it. It was frozen over. Banff is. Uh, one of my like favorite places on the whole planet that I've been to. Um and uh I, I love it over there. Uh I've only been there in the winter. Um okay. just during that tour. But um I've seen the pictures in like the spring and summertime and it's just it's perfect. Mm-hmm. I walked I walked pretty far into that lake. Um <laughs> and and um there's like a hotel that was right there too. Yeah. And uh it was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um but that was when I posted a picture of me on that lake, and, and um, James texted me saying, you do realize that the longer you stay in Lake Louise, um, the more of a chance that you're not going to get to Vancouver <laughs> on time for the show in two days. And I'm uh-huh. like, yeah, you're right. you're right.
0: True. Yeah, but worth so it. It. Was,
1: it was a short trip, but um, <laughs> it was definitely worth it, yeah. Yeah. When you're traveling alone, and when you're touring alone, like I just want to take advantage of like...
0: Let's see the sights. The, the
1: ability, the, the opportunity to have your own schedule for Mm -hmm. the most part like when you're with others you gotta you gotta make sure everybody's on board to do x y and z and and i just want to i just want to get from a to b and then whatever (laughs) happens in between is on is on my time
0: Mm -hmm. yeah
1: oh i really like going by myself
0: yeah i love traveling by myself too you don't have to rely on anybody or like sometimes because as i said i do photography and i love just like roaming around and taking pictures of are actually puddles. If <laughs> you ever nice. like if you kneel down and look at puddles and take pictures of the reflection, it's it's really trippy and it's really cool. Um especially there's, if you There's
1: like, a yeah. Yeah. Go ahead.
0: Just like if you edit it and like rotate it, people are That's like awesome. what is what is real?
1: <laughs> I didn't get that deep into mine, but there's one there's one selfie. I call I'll call it a, a puddle selfie um <laughs> that I took mm-hmm. uh in Toronto. And it's, it's was for the longest time, my favorite picture I've ever taken of, uh, of myself on my phone. And it was, it was all the puddles doing it had nothing to do with me.
0: Nice. Yeah. So DJ again asked, how confident and comfortable are you with who you are right now?
1: That's a good question. Uh, I would say not, I'd say creatively, uh, I'm, I've gotten as confident as I ever have been, Mm -hmm. but, um, In the professional landscape, uh, it's it's cutthroat out here, Um, and I think that it's very. I'm a very sensitive person, um, like a lot of song, a lot of artists and songwriters, Mm -hmm. Um, and so you know I've spent my whole career being told no, uh, (laughs) and that definitely toughens you up, but it doesn't make it any easier. um, Every time it happens, Mm -hmm. Uh, when you know how good you are, Mm -hmm. that uh, occasionally that can kind of trip you up on that confidence sometimes and like, well, maybe this isn't that good, but then all I really need to do is kind of just like t- turn the radio on and, uh, and, and kind of take stock of, of like what's happening. And I don't know, I, I like to remind myself that you always have to find the hook in everything, even the stuff that you hate, um, mm-hmm. in life, not just music because, uh, people like it for a reason. And so I would say that, you know, again, creatively, um, i I, I I, th- I think I'm I think I'm moving in the right direction and and in terms of the way I perform and and like so forth. Streaming on Twitch has helped me kind of like be more expressive, like impulsively, mm-hmm. um, and kind of make me a little faster. I think in terms of uh, being clever about things, um, and like kind of expressing my sense of humor in different ways mm-hmm. versus prior to Twitch everything is so planned and everything is so, um, you know, step pr- thought out step by step. Like we're putting this out this day, song goes out this day, You're doing this, this day and everything. And that still exists. Mm-hmm. But like the, the freedom that you have when, when you're streaming, mm-hmm. um, because there isn't something, there isn't an editor and there isn't something that's like piecing things together section by section. Like you just have to be even smarter. Uh, and I, I think that that has uh has helped me in terms of how I perform on stage because a lot of the set um if I'm talking about songs or anything i'm I'm usually reacting to either what's going on in the crowd or like bringing up a story that i've that I've never said on stage before uh or or just something new random commentary, and um it's you know stand up adjacent. Uh, song songwriters and, and comics are, are very similar in that they're writing commentary on things that a lot of people don't want to talk about in the first place. They just want to listen to. Yeah, I, I would say that I'm I'm confident in myself. I, I don't know how confident I am in uh, the business uh, surrounding me.
0: Mm-hmm. I yeah that kind of brings up then like do you I would assume that you have encountered imposter syndrome before or does that happen oh. now
1: um yeah i think uh I did the i think thing again fuck That's, um okay.
0: i well i think <laughs> well because we got really vulnerable on my twitch stream uh last week yeah. um kind of pretty randomly because i brought up this confidence thing and i was talking about like, how do we, how do we gain confidence? Where does confidence come from? And then we got it all into like talking about, I started asking people what their strengths are and we had a whole deep conversation. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's the, the, I think thing, like nobody wants to talk about their strengths because for me anyway, and for a few people, it feels like it's like borderline arrogant or, you know, you don't want to sound cocky. And so yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> you know what I think it is for me? The the friendships that I've created as a product of my music when it comes to other people in music or Hollywood or wherever, they're my friends and I look at them as people and when I'm hanging with them, it's like I'm hanging with my friends from home and it's I put everybody in the same kind of bucket. But what I've obviously like tripped myself over is my experience with them doesn't exist with my friends mm-hmm. from like home or, or like somebody else that I'm talking to that, that doesn't know that person or whatever and knows them only as a celebrity or something. And so I, I have definitely caught myself in situations where I mentioned uh, something and 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 then that kind of translates to, I guess, just... The, the learning lesson from that for me is I always have to remind myself that i'm I'm in a very like very lucky position um, of the success that I have flirted with in the music industry, especially ap- independently, is something that I'm proud of because of the fact that I think that I'm good at my job, but also I know a lot of people that kick my ass musically, that um, are not in the position that I'm in, and it's all relative, and uh, I, I think something that we're all conditioned to do is to compare, um, and that's a you, likely, um, more often than not, to our detriment, because we're only comparing upwards, and we're mm-hmm. not comparing either equilaterally or um, below us, because all, because we're, Inherently, pretty selfish people. Mm-hmm. So, the goal is to, for me at least, as frustrating as my work gets and as my job gets and the things around me that are in and out of my control get, reminding myself that, okay, I still have these songs online. I'm able to tour the country. Uh, uh, people are, I, I'm very lucky to have fans. Um, that listen to my music more than once and are the reason that uh, my music is is keeping a roof over my head. Um, versus, I mean, this goes back to the discussion about like, have you had like second jobs and stuff and and things like that. Like, I, I'm I'm in a position to say I don't need one. Um, but I know so many people that again are so much better than me most of the time, so much nicer than me. And, uh, and you know, they're still um, doing the side hustles and, and doing things that, that are enabling them to, to continue to pursue music, um, even in the moments where they don't want to. And I'm, and I'm in a spot where I find myself in a, in a fight with myself about wanting to pursue it at all. Mm-hmm. And I still don't have to lean on something else to keep my lights on. so. That mixed with kind of, I, I don't get like recognized very often. Like, I I don't like it's, it's, I'm not that type of, uh, I'm not at that level of like popularity or anything People where that's something that run really, run up like,
0: to you screaming and asking, no, for selfies. No, no,
1: no, where that like crosses my, my <laughs> sort of desk. But, um, you know, if that ever becomes something else, I'm sure I'll cross that bridge when, when I get to it. But in the, in the meantime, like, the thing that I always want to keep focusing on is one, making the, the thing that I'm most proud of before sharing it with anybody and just kind of constantly learning from my palette of influence and experiences while keeping in mind that this could be a very different situation for me minus you know a few lucky outcomes. Mm-hmm. So imposter syndrome is super real, um, but like most everything else in life, I think that awareness and intention are two of the most important personality or character traits to like put a lot of weight into. And so, yeah, constantly learning about maintaining my awareness of like what I've been afforded to do and what I'm still afforded to do. And also my, the value of, of your intention of why you're still doing it, remembering why you started in the first place and trying to express those sentiments to the people that are giving you their time uh, to listen and to watch and, and to, to observe you grow as an artist and a human it's uh it's very priceless to be in 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 a situation like that
0: yeah those are really good points i think i think going back to like the whole going viral on tiktok sort of thing like yes you get a lot of fans or a lot of people you're you're viral you're you're popular but that connection that i don't think there's maybe not as much of a deeper connection with like your fans. Like maybe I don't think there's as much depth. And so
1: everybody's just dancing on the internet. (laughs) Like they, they just, I mean, that's, it's the, the song is not attached to the, the trend. Mm -hmm. You know, you even see TikToks where it's like, Hey, if you use this sound, you'll get a million views.
0: Yeah, pretty much.
1: And it's like, okay, but what's the, what's the Like people will just use the sound with the volume down and they'll just do whatever mm-hmm. they see everybody else doing. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's how a bunch of people make, make those videos sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So like, I I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll still be the, I'll, I'll still be the get off my lawn music industry curmudgeon. <laughs> um, that the purist that like wants people to stop watching music and, mm-hmm. and start listening again. No, I, um,
0: I like your approach a lot. Thanks. Yeah.
1: But, uh, but it's, um, yeah, it's funny. It's <laughs> it's funny TikTok and stuff.
0: Yeah. A lot of people talk about having their passion as their career and you know, it kind of sometimes it kills that passion. Mm. Have you ever felt burnt out?
1: Yeah. Um it's more on the it's more on the writing for others side mm. because it's such a bottomless pit of it's a song graveyard. Like the 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 pitch folder in my hard drive is Songs that will likely never come out, and that are so good, and just might not make sense for me, mm-hmm. or um, just were never pitched because the people working the songs aren't good at their jobs, or like the artist in mind didn't want them at the time, or something, and then mm-hmm. they become outdated, and uh, and it is what it is. But, what if you um, just
0: made like a bunch of different profiles for yourself and release it under? <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: I think there is there is some. There is some potential opportunity in um, side projects and and so forth, especially in this sort of, not to go back on like trendiness and stuff, but, you know, like the NFT world and and things where you can create kind of separate identities for yourself Mm -hmm. um, in new arenas of consumption, Mm -hmm. which I think is a pretty interesting discussion that I'm not well versed in yet. And not nearly as informed as I need to be, but yeah, I've definitely been brainstorming a lot more on how to maybe kind of resurrect some things that have just kind of been sitting around for a while. But to that end, like there's music that I know I'm putting out that I've had for going on two years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been done and, and, uh, two, well, even longer than that, to be honest, <laughs> like, you know, four or five years, and it's not out yet because of all the, you know, industry like business stuff that that goes on with uh, behind the scenes with with getting music s- sorted sorted and mm-hmm. so um there it's it's a it, it's a blessing and a curse to have all this material ready to go mm-hmm. um and and that means that like those songs that are so deep on the list um might might never see the light of the day but i also That's do sad. kind of like in this sort of evil <laughs> um, villain kind of way. I like the, the idea of being able to like plug my phone into my car and listen to things that nobody else can hear, um, (laughs) for, for, you know, the drive to the grocery store or whatever.
0: Yeah. I get, well, whenever I make anything, I like immediately want to share it, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. then that kind of loses the, the excitement, I guess, of, of actually putting it out there on to Spotify and stuff and then making people wait and there's some sort of like that anticipation but if i share bits of it or whatever if i share leak the whole thing then there's no no anticipation
1: <laughs> do you feel like um when you're making something and uh it sits for too long um before you share it with anybody that you you also kind of lose sight of the message behind it or anything like Sure, yeah. the anticipation of of the rollout and everything, or 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 sharing it on your end, is is very exciting and everything. But the message behind the music, if I'm sure, after a certain period of time, especially if it's like a personal experience, mm-hmm. and your music is your coping mechanism, that mm-hmm. it, it doesn't really kind of react to you the same way that it that it did in the in the moment, you know, sort initial of... sort of moment. Yeah,
0: yeah, hundred percent. Um, but yeah. I guess. Where I'm at with my music, like, um, more of, like, this popular side of music, because I've been more in the classical realm, I guess, for a while, and just singing, songwriting has been more of a hobby, and now I'm, like, merging the two and trying to make more of this singing, songwriting, like, a prominent thing, and so I feel like I only just started releasing music onto Spotify, like, last year, Um, and so I've... and. No, I'm just doing everything myself and so there's nobody to answer to or anything and so I've actually just been putting things out kind of when I'm done with it when I make it then it it comes out um but there are a couple songs that I've written and just they're like phone recordings that get lost and then I found something the other day and I was like this is really sad what what even (laughs) why what even is this about like sounds like a breakup song, but I didn't break up with anybody. I was like, "Whoa," <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah. Sometimes,
1: sometimes it'll just come out of nowhere, huh?
0: Yeah. Yep. And it's so much easier to write sad songs, I think.
1: Yeah. Well, that I think is something that we're sort of all um, rooted in—is mm-hmm. uh, this weird kind of um, obsession with investigating like loss or. Something of the like versus, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. I mean, it it could be as simple as like when you're happy, you just don't have anything to talk about. Exactly. So, like, when, so, so when you're, we, we love being sad because one, uh, it's easier to make fun of. And two, um, it's, it's just more to more a broader brush to paint with. Like, Mm -hmm. you, you can, you can cover more ground talking about things that hurt you than things that aren't doing anything bad to you. What I should say is um what you're doing with um releasing music kind of just whenever you want that is all of our dreams like that is like you like that's but it's just exactly what you said, right it's you make something and if you want to share it in the first place, that's the ultimate victory mm-hmm. because you're like, okay, I'm comfortable with with expressing this and sharing it with people that want to listen and then if you if you have the ability to just release it then Job finished, like it's you know once once it's out, it's for everybody else. True. And so, you know, if if you get to the point where you want to put it out, the longer you have to wait to put it out, the less likely you'll you'll be excited about it uh, as you as you would have been as soon as you could release it. And that that definitely happened to me to some extent with this EP. Mm. That's happened to me with like everything that I've released because it's all so back ordered. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, I think one thing that I've definitely always tried to maintain with the music that I'm releasing is doing everything that I can to focus on the, on the material that to, to write, to write things that are applicable to more than just that initial moment or just that initial sequence. So like not generalize, but kind of like provide observation from like the top down versus like right in front of you. So then and this is why I like sharing the music and kind of seeing how people react to it because somebody can come up to you and say, I really like your song because it did this for me. And it could mean absolutely the complete opposite mm-hmm. of what it meant to you. And then, but, but that song for that person is paramount to them getting over or figuring out or, or just decoding whatever thing in their life. Yeah. And so I kind of try and play the writer and the listener um, with my music, and see how can I listen to this years from now and mm. apply it to something new, even though I know what I initially wrote it about, you know.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah. And that kind of helps with with the with the the uh, lame duck period of waiting to release stuff. But <laughs> I I'm I'm very envious of the ability to just release whenever.
0: <laughs> well, I've been thinking about though like releasing whenever um it's like releasing everything now everything's coming out as singles um and so it'll just kind of be a bunch of singles but then if i decide that i want to put them all in an ep well then people have already heard all of these songs before and so i don't know (laughs)
1: yeah don't ever stress that i think i mean unless it's personal taste unless it's stretched out over years then then, maybe stray from like putting them together as like a project after all that time, but if you're putting out you know a couple singles or or song by song and it builds to this bigger project over the course of the a release period, that's really exciting, and a lot of people are actually doing that mm-hmm. and on the flip side, the traditional rollout strategy for major labels top down radio format is here's the album, and then months and months after the album comes out they pick a song from that album that everyone's already heard and like this is the new single.
2: Mm.
1: And that's the one they push to radio and then you know if it pops off people hear it for the first time cuz they don't know that that artist has an album or anything. So there's no rhyme or reason. It, it it's only um up to your creative vision. Mm-hmm. And so if you have reservations or 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 ambitions to go one way or the other with however you want to release your music, there's no right or wrong way to do it. And honestly, if the song is imperative to uh the story you're trying to tell in the body of work if the only thing that's keeping you from putting it on the project is the fact that it's already out then friend to friend put it on the project
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i think um i think it's just that like sometimes getting too deep into thinking about how to market yourself or branding and that stuff if you're trying to you know trying to gain an audience then yeah sometimes thinking too deep into that a little bit
1: well it's 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 because it's become the job like making the music is no longer the job <laughs> and and mark we all have to become marketing wizards mm-hmm. and the fact of the matter is that should have never been the thing but you know it's kind of the byproduct of if you're independent you're you're kind of bypassing all of the resources that would typically be around the music at a label or or a company like that, which include marketing, which include like promotion and so forth. But in today's music industry, there are so many artists that are just doing everything themselves in the first place, regardless of where they're signed. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are marketing geniuses. And I don't understand <laughs> what class they took um, that I didn't, because it's insane. Like the how creative some. And and that is kind of a whole different type of artistry when you think about it. Mm -hmm. Like, which kind of in some weird way circles back to the sort of issue of influencers becoming recording artists that don't have any musical background, but like because of their massive platforms and marketing prowess, Mm -hmm. the music industry is like, well, let's put a song on them, easy money. Yeah. I'm very curious to see how many of those influencers that are putting songs out put records out afterwards, mm-hmm. follow it up with like a proper tour, like really want to do music. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. it would be interesting to see in like a year or two or a couple of I years. I don't think
1: it's going to be that many. I think I, especially, especially <laughs> if touring was already kind of a dying business. Um, and I hate saying that because it's my business, but um, people were having trouble selling tickets before COVID in, in the first place. So mm. while I'm excited to see kind of the mad dash for people to get back out on the road. I'm totally aware of the fact that everything's going digital. Everything is going Mm -hmm. to web, to live streaming. Everything is going to VR and, and um, all that stuff. And so I'd be curious to see, I'd be curious to see the transition for a lot of musicians that are typically wholly successful through their live act. um, And how, how it will kind of translate to live streaming or, or digital or remote stuff. Um, and if all of the developments in this sort of new, um, paradigm are going to completely cut the legs out from live music, I really Mm -hmm. hope it's not that way because like I said earlier, it's a dream of mine to open a live venue. So,
0: (laughs) well, maybe there will be a a way of like integrating the both, both of them, like live streaming and live concerts in a way.
1: I think you're totally right. I just, I I can't, I'm I'm not the, I'm not the brains behind that yet, (laughs) but yeah. I I that's kind of that's why I started streaming on Twitch, is because all my touring got canceled, mm-hmm. and as the touring starts to pick up again, I want to find ways to bring live streaming to the not necessarily to the stage, but to the tour. Yeah, and um, I have some friends that were early on Twitch like years and years ago, um, and kind of bringing it with them on tour, mm. but they're they're pretty close with like the team at Riot and like, did stuff with, with League and, and everything, so okay. they had, like, a non-music-related reason to bring Twitch with them, if uh-huh. that makes any sense. Yeah. What I kind of want to do is, like you said, how can we hybridize this new wave with the traditional wave mm-hmm. and use it to augment live music rather than kill it? Mm-hmm. I'll let you figure that one out, to be honest.
0: <laughs> Me? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, because, like, the thing is, live shows, live streams got popular throughout COVID, um, but then, like, a lot of bigger name artists, because you got to, if you charge people for being there in person, Mm -hmm. these live, the the people watching on live streams, if they watch for free, then there feels like, it feels like it's a little bit unjust, because if they're not paying, um, yeah and still getting this quality. I mean, obviously there's some difference between being there in person and watching something online, but still like you're getting the content, the same content, I guess. Right. And yeah, I think that'd be, that's something to figure out.
1: (laughs) The money behind it is going to be the, the thing that the money behind is going to be what makes or breaks the, the, the idea Mm
2: -hmm.
1: because again, that's all that the business is after. So you know it's it, it'll be interesting to to kind of see the the future collaborations between live streaming and live music, yeah. but I do think that Twitch and live streaming in general has so much ground to cover and 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 so much opportunity to get deeper involved in music, mm-hmm. um, and it starts with especially on Twitch, um, the ability to play that music, um, <laughs> and then I think once once they kind of figure that out, then. Then we can sort of start to talk about like, okay, how can you bring this to that and see like maybe is there like a paywall for the actual concert and then the and then the typical kind of live stream happens on either end? Mm-hmm. Is there like a secondary performance that might not necessarily be the music, but it's like uh this like a panel or something? Does oh, yeah. it become more of an event? Uh like in that in that space. Like- this could also completely change the the landscape of concerts in general, if, if it really goes that far. So. Yeah.
0: Like virtual meet and greets, I guess. It'd be like exactly. a just chatting stream pre-show or post-show. Exactly. That'd be cool.
1: I think, I, I think there's, there's so much opportunity for it. And, and it can only enhance the experience for both sides. Mm-hmm. Because you could still have the in-person meet and greet for anybody that really wants to pay up above the ticket price you can still have the ticket price for the people who want to go to the show. And then you can also have the, you know, like you said, the regular Twitch stream that is, hey, y'all, I'm talking to you before all this stuff happens. And then if you want to watch the show, maybe there's another level of subscription or another level of event-specific, like purchase. Um, Mm -hmm. It all comes down to what's permissible on these platforms. Yeah. And I think until those licensing deals and so forth get kind of organized, which I don't think is too far away to be honest, just off of my own internal Hopefully. discussions with some people. Yeah. Um I think you might you might see it as early as the end of this year and maybe even sometime into before the before the summer next year. Mm-hmm. Um you know at the same time like Twitch is owned by Amazon and and Amazon like is one of the biggest companies in the world so they don't really care. Mm-hmm. But I think music is as much of a broken industry as it is it's still too massive to ignore because of what the product they're selling is mm-hmm. if it was any other product if it was like any type of art form that wasn't music i don't think we'd be having this discussion mm-hmm. but like music like we like we were talking about earlier is so fluidly universal and like so widely used by literally everything yeah that it's just kind of just funny that this still exists like do you remember the <laughs> the the video where they had to put on like lo-fi music over Metallica and Metallica was performing live on Twitch and Twitch, Twitch had to mute their audio because of DMCA. No. Twitch invited Metallica to perform and then they couldn't, it was, it was pretty comical.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's so bad.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's just, it's just, you know, money and a, and signing a piece of paper at the end of the day that's keeping us from. Because the other thing about it is, like, I have to look at it with, with two different hats on, right? I don't want anyone playing my music for free if in front of like thousands and thousands of viewers, and I mean that's that's for some people that's like a really awesome TV sync. That's mm-hmm. like a mm-hmm. like getting your song placed in something. So, like, I, I think that the company needs to do something about it. I'm not gonna put it on any of the streamers because at the end of the day, like uh that's still really great promotion and, and also like thanks for listening. But I think the, the the bigger companies themselves have to come to some agreement so we're not breaking the rules and whether that is Amazon Twitch uh paying out the licensing deals or the artists themselves for for the music for the use, or or the labels kind of like caving a bit more on what is fair um, for all their clients because, you know, that's a majority of what everybody on Twitch is listening to is owned by major labels. Mm-hmm. But that's, I mean, I'll take you till sunset talking about that. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's um something for another day, but do you think all so? that to say, I think live streaming and live music and everything, there's, there's a really bright future for it if you want to go down that road. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's, a matter of time
0: yeah do you think though that like like smaller because you said you're not going to put it on streamers um but like before you said that i was thinking smaller streamers who only maybe only have like 20 viewers or however many people watching who are covering your songs uh would you have the same thoughts and opinions on that
1: no i think that I, i think that uh live music i think that that twitch is um built as it stands, as a live music venue, so there shouldn't be, and this is this is brought on by the labels. There shouldn't be a DMC ish, DMCA issue for performance of the of the music, especially in in cover form. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be totally upfront, anybody, anytime that wants to sing one of my songs is, uh, I'm their biggest fan. So the and and it doesn't matter how what size audience it is, it could be. Just themselves in front of their mirror, or it could be sixty thousand people on whoever XQC's mm-hmm. channel. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's it's amazing. It it it's it's that's the highest honor if people start singing your music. Yeah. Um. Let alone just listening to it. My my opinion on how they need to kind of unpack this starts at the top and ends at the top. It has nothing to do with um the creators and mm-hmm. the and the and the streamers. That are involved in, in the discussion of the product of the people at the top. Yeah. Um, and that sets us the sad reality of like who owns what. And even in my world, like the distributor that I've been putting music out through was bought by Sony this year oh. and kind of went completely against their mission statement when they sold to Sony and all this stuff and everything. And uh-huh. it was just kind of like, I wasn't, I was kind of confused about what the whole point of calling yourself independent was at that point because mm-hmm. nowadays you have every major label unveiling their independent music wing and that just so the word independent just means being slightly less owned now and so mm-hmm. i think it you know i have i have zero issue with anybody streaming on twitch wanting to stream music i think that some people are a little more vocal about a little more disrespectful to the musicians to the artists themselves kind of don't have the information handy on like how it actually works, how licensing works. But to your point about like people that want to sing the songs and even, even especially the smaller streamers that want to put their, put their viewers on to new music. Like I want everybody to play my songs I, I, on on Twitch. Mm-hmm. I, I want everybody to, to add me to your playlists and everything like, and and I have zero problem with anybody doing that because at the end of the day, like it doesn't matter. How many people are watching? Even if it's just you listening to my music, it's like thank you for doing that. That's really cool. Um, and so I, I feel like it gets resolved once, uh, once the people in suits realize that, um, well, not realize anything. Once, once they, once they kind of like put egos aside and everything, and and just and put all the business aside and and just sort it out. Mm-hmm. It's because them figuring that out isn't going to change the landscape of like the consumption of music. Uh and it can only benefit both sides to make uh the music consumable on that platform because that expands the profile.
0: Yeah. yeah, definitely.
1: I get really nerdy and long winded about this stuff. <laughs> no, it's, it's my cool. bad.
0: It's cool. It's cool to listen to. Uh to like hear your thoughts and opinions on what's going on.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just stupid though. Like is like Metallica's <laughs> Metallica's invited to play on Twitch at whatever Twitch con digital TwitchCon or Glitchcon or something and and they have to mute the live <laughs> performance. It's like, you know, Zed, a friend of mine, he he streams sometimes. He plays Valorant. Hmm. Uh Jordan Fisher streams. He obviously makes music. T-Pain, yeah. pretty uh pretty active streamer these days. But like you're gonna tell me logic too, you're gonna tell me that that if Zed plays Zed's music on Zed's channel. <laughs> that Zed is risking getting a DMCA strike,
0: and then getting like however many strikes. They just they ban your account. They delete just it. just ban it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That's crazy to me. And and you know again, if you are a streamer that is playing music that is not yours and you know the rules and everything, then you're you're risking it. Given the current state of the union, mm-hmm. but like conceptually this shouldn't be a thing.
2: Yeah.
1: It shouldn't. It shouldn't even be close. Because of the fact that, uh, you know, even now, especially now that, that Sony has bought the distributor, if I play my music on the stream, I haven't gotten any strikes yet, knock on wood. But, like, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of Zed adjacent in terms of like, if I play my own music on my stream, like, there's a, there's a chance. And they're doing better by like, muting the audio and everything, but like, why are we doing that? like, <laughs> <laughs> why What is why, the point why, why is really? it, it seems like people see problems and instead of solving them they just create more problems
0: <laughs> yeah
1: so i don't know but it's uh it's gonna get fixed sooner than later it has to it's not Hopefully. It's, it's not like something yeah it's not something that's just gonna like keep going on because Yeah, i know for a fact that they're talking about finding a resolution
0: that's good yeah, yeah like everyone all the music streamers are deleting vods now and or, like, making playlists on YouTube for these VODs. It's just, well, when the, I, yeah,
1: when I read that, uh, that the live performance counted as DMCA now, too, it was just kind of like, what, why do you even have a music tab on Twitch? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what, what is even the point?
0: Hi, future Mirabelle popping in here for a quick second just to say that Twitch has updated their DMCA guidelines since. Kevin and I spoke a couple months ago. To my understanding, you are allowed to perform covers live now on your live streams on Twitch. They just can't be recorded, so they can't be part of your VODs. Um, So you know you can't really have VODs if all you do on stream is sing covers. That's my understanding of it anyway. They've covered the licenses for live performances, but they haven't covered it for recorded performances of covers of covers of these songs that are affiliated with major record labels um that's my understanding of it anyway twitch's website will have all the up-to-date information so be sure to check that out if if you want to grasp a better understanding of what's going on with twitch and its DMCA rules and all of that uh but yeah yeah
1: and uh and you know there's been a couple a couple other streamer friends uh who I've I've met online um like this singer Jane Rio she does oh, yeah. some, some cool yeah. covers and stuff and she will say like RIP the vodka cuz we're singing today I'm just like yeah. this is the reason that we're streaming <laughs> this is like I know I play video games when I stream too but like when I do sing and the reason I started streaming on Twitch and I know that the reason a lot of music streamers are on Twitch is because they want to showcase their music their covers whatever they're working on and mm-hmm. so forth yeah there, the, I, don't, I don't get it. And, and I know. To, be, to be frank, I know it's been an issue the whole time, but I think it's only really blown up since COVID started because of how much streaming kind of took off, right?
0: Yeah. The amount of people Is who joined Twitch to start music. Everybody gaming? streams. Yeah. 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 You know, <laughs> myself included. Same. I'm one of the, one of the noobs. Yeah, um, me too.
2: But they'll figure
1: it out. It'll. It, it, it's. It's got to get resolved. Um. At some point, and it's just a matter of like, how much money the other person, the other side's willing to give up.
0: It's just. It's kind of funny though. Like their the exclusivity that they have. Uh. For. I mean. I guess you're a partner. Um. And I. Don't they have like the, like you can't stream live stream on other platforms or something like that.
1: Yeah, it's uh. It, it's pretty ironclad. Um. Yeah. And I think it goes even a step beyond like my agreement, mm. um, where like some bigger streamers will sign like legit contracts, yeah, um, with yeah. like advances and stuff and and so forth, and that's even more exclusive. But you know, once you're once you're partnered, um, I I'm I'm fairly certain that they're not going to get you uh, unless you're monetizing the other places that you're streaming. Mm. But like as it stands, like like by the letter, yeah, you're not allowed to stream <laughs> anywhere else.
0: Yeah, but then like with people putting their VODs on YouTube and having their audience kind of go to that direction also, isn't that just kind of ironic? Is there still...
1: There's something missing. At, so I think in terms of a live streaming company, Twitch is where it's at. Mm-hmm. Twitch is the spot to be if, if you want to live stream. Um, and I think growing as a streamer, Twitch is still the place it's to be. still pretty good. Still pretty good. Um, YouTube is poaching a lot of the big names with really nice contracts, really shiny new deals and I think definitely making some big strides um and if they stopped doing live streaming YouTube would still be the 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 number one place to consume video media mm-hmm. anywhere and yeah. especially when they unveiled YouTube Shorts and they started competing with Reels and TikTok mhm but I think that I think that YouTube is sooner than later going to like be like a serious competition to Twitch unless Twitch can figure out a way to engage people more in the sort of video consumption format Mm -hmm. realm, making the VODs more accessible and also more of a a destination for viewers. The clips and everything are all really cool because that's like content, but like I don't go to people's Twitch channels just find clips. clips yeah <laughs> i look at the ones they post on their social media mm-hmm. i got those are the ones that i see if i'm watching my favorite you know war zone gamer um do something and i don't see it in the stream i'm only going to see it on instagram or twitter or something mm-hmm. because i don't really like i don't really go and watch the youtube videos that's not that's a little i'm, I'm a little older than that <laughs> i think that mm-hmm. it, it's not my it's it's not my impulse to go to their YouTube channel and and watch the even though I know that's where they're making a bunch of money, mm-hmm. but like Twitch, the two things that, that beyond the licensing and the music stuff that they need to sort is figuring out a better discovery algorithm
0: mm-hmm.
1: because YouTube's is the best, um, but it only applies to their videos; it doesn't really apply to streaming yet.
0: Yeah, but like Twitch and has also, got their raids, which I think exactly, is a really good way of meeting raids
1: and gift subs and yeah all all the things that they'd put more eyeballs on the channel.
0: Scam train, But like <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
1: But yeah. at the same time, like they could add some technology in their sort of mechanism of growth that would make it much more appealing to smaller streamers to grind even more, I think. Mm-hmm. Um because you kinda I mean I'm I'm noticing it even in mine. I don't really post on my socials about Twitch that much. Unless it's like a special event. Um, but, you know, I, I kind of, the, the, raid, the raids are where I get majority of the new follows. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like in other social media platforms and um, YouTube, even, you end up on algorithms that introduce you to new audiences mm-hmm. that are just surfing the, the platform for the sake of looking around. And I think that uh, making that more accessible than like going to the certain game or the channel. Uh, or, or list of channels and finding something um, and and putting more effort into, well, based on who you watch and what you watch, uh, here's a timeline of things that we think you would like um, versus like the six recommended channels you always get. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't really know how. Oh, this is. Twitch algorithm this is, becoming,
1: is. This is becoming tech talk, TED talk. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, but I love it.
1: I'm a sucker for this yeah. stuff
0: yeah i feel like you could go on forever for about it
1: (laughs) that's my bad yeah
0: i mean no it's great it's (laughs) cool to listen to like i said before yeah thanks so much for this chat
1: oh my pleasure